Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferny, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Courtney Staples. On today's episode, we dive back into the city of a thousand tongues, brought to you by our new patron, Ewan. But before we get into that, remember that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, where you can click the link, follow some instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you want to follow us on social media, we're on YouTube, where you can go ahead and click subscribe, like, share, uh, I don't know, dig? Is dig still a thing? I'll put dig in there, I guess. Why not? Um, And... You can go and do all that stuff that feeds the algorithms to our new robot masters. We're also on Twitter at Let's World Build. And if you want to talk to us more directly, you can come and join our Discord where we can chat occasionally about stuff. World building, not world building, all that good stuff. And if you're feeling particularly generous like our patron Ewan, you can always go to our Patreon and donate to us there where you'll get access to patron-only goodies like the Aphid Lounge, a monthly-ish patron-only podcast. Uh, Let's see, we've got a patron-only Discord section in the Discord if you want to come and chat with us more directly there. And we also have Too Hot for Broadcast, which is just the stuff that gets kept on the cutting room floor for, oh, myriad reasons. But with all of that out the way, we get to dive right back into our city of a thousand tongues. Last we left off, our twist was reverse the roles of the heroes and villains. But this is the second part of a two-part series. If you have not listened to that first part yet, by all means, please go listen to that first because otherwise, who boy, it's going to be pretty confusing. Anyway, uh, let's see. Who haven't we heard from in a while? Who hasn't kicked us off? Daniel, I feel like you haven't kicked us off in a while. So why don't you tell us, how did you reconcile the twist of reversing the roles of heroes and villains? Um, and this is rather vague, but my first thought was the um being underground who was um creating the weird mold stuff. I don't mm-hmm. remember exactly his context. He seemed rather ominous and cult like, and I think he was the one who had a uh bunch of undead ish friends with tongues, right? Um, I guess we never established if he had a lot of you're talking about like the the one that's writing the poetry. Yeah, that was Courtney's mad god, right? Yeah, that was yeah, the mad one. I actually yeah. hadn't pictured him as having like much of an undead following. Like he's more oh, of a, right. a lone figure. But what did you Who's have in mind? Who has the undead guys? Or, I think like you established random... that that was like a way that you can cast magic in some way, or like some ways that you could reveal or understand the secrets within Palimpsest. Oh, I thought I thought that we had some figure that was um that was controlling people cut their tongues out. And we talked about that that's like another form of quote unquote godhood is you yes. have all these mm-hmm. like thralls basically and you have their tongues that you can swap out whenever you need to. Oh right. That was kind of the power set that we were looking at. Yeah. So my thought was that whoever is principally doing this, instead of them, because it just seems very evil, instead of them being bad, <laughs> they, they would probably be trying to accomplish something that's good. So, um, and not in the um, the Jedi are evil kind of sense, but that <laughs> that like um, the, there's something like seriously bad happening to the city, and mm-hmm. it's a matter mm-hmm. of performing all these things in order to get to the bottom of it. Gotcha. So like. It might seem ominous, but they're they're maybe maybe the the dead are willing, right? And so 
And that's yeah. part of it. You know, and, and on the surface, it seems like this evil cult thing, but really this person is trying to get closer to a secret. And maybe the mm-hmm. city, the people above are the ones that are bad because they're trying to keep it under wraps. And there's mm-hmm. another, maybe it has to do with another fall of the city happening. Mm-hmm. I am I am so sure, so certain that if we lined up all the times that we have said, in my opinion, it's the Jedi who are evil, <laughs> it would probably it would probably rival our mention of the 1999 Brendan Fraser classic, the mummy, like in terms of how often we reference that, that particular thing. So yeah. So that's a cool inversion, Daniel. And when you say that, I can't help but feel like I'm going to hit you with an Uno reversed card because my reconciliation also has to do with the kind of nature of the secrets within Palimpsest. Uh, I was, I was kind of interested because Palimpsest doesn't necessarily have a a morality to it necessarily. We didn't really establish like heroes and villains. So Mm -hmm. I was taking this more as a figurative uh, kind of heroes and villains get switched, which is like, basically I want to see an inversion in something. Right. So, so rather than the, the secrets of the city kind of revealing something and that, you know, like you're uncovering something within the truth. I wanted to kind of invert that and say, like, the closer you are to getting to the truth, the more dangerous it becomes. Like, the more knowledge you have, the worse it becomes for everyone around you. So rather than, like, the the kind of summoning circle is there, like, the city's built on the summoning circle to summon something, I had in mind that, effectively, the city and everything that's built on the ley line is there to contain something instead. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I had some interesting thoughts about that. But yeah, that's that's what I got from my reconciliation. Interesting. Yeah, I feel like mine kind of works with both of yours. Mine's also mm-hmm. on the more vague side because, yeah, like you said, we hadn't really established good or bad sides last time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, one of the things we did establish was that something happens every however many years or generations where the city is partially leveled or collapses or sinks. And that ties in with the summoning circle, potentially. So I'm thinking that like the hero-villain dynamic revolves around that somehow. Like the leveling process is actually some secret group or entity that's trying to prevent that summoning from happening fully. Mm, mm. And depending on how we want to see that, like the heroes and villains in the scenario, we could have the summoning be a bad thing and the levelers could be good or that could be flipped where the summoning would ultimately be a good thing and this group or entity is preventing it for a bad or selfish reason mm. forgot about the summoning stuff yeah <laughs> yeah it's kind of the like base of the city yeah yeah it's kind of a major component yeah, yeah. Kind, of, kind of a big deal um yeah. that would be a good one to make um be a, a good thing like whatever is trapped there because that would encapsulate yeah. your containment suggestion like so perhaps like it being freed is good and it's always been contained and it's being contained as with levels of city. Like there's quakes and stuff that come out because it's contained. Sure. Uh, so you're yeah, suggesting that the city is like imprisoning this thing. So it's not a summoning mm-hmm. circle. It's a, it's a contained. So yeah, that, that directly works with kind of what I was getting at, which the is Uno reverse. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right. Exactly. Where it's like, um, <laughs> where it's a containment rather than a summoning. Mm-hmm. Right, everyone's mm-hmm. misunderstood it. Right, mm-hmm. because what happens when the containment breaks is that it starts to come out, and maybe that's what like starts to level the city in some way, 
right? And in doing so, you know, people lose their shit and they're like, oh no, something is being summoned from this magical thing. And in reality, it's like, nah, we're keeping this thing locked up. You know, it's, it's, mm. although, yeah, th- I mean, that's an interesting concept. And then there's a bunch of different ways that I kind of want to run with it, but let's, I want to, I'll shut up for a little bit and let you, let you guys kind of bring in here. Yeah. What I was saying was that like that leveling process was in opposition to the, summoning or release in this case so like since it's a prison now i don't know if it's some some group that's like performing some ceremony that collapses the city to Mm -hmm. reinforce the boundaries of this prison maybe Mm. so it's not just like the creature whatever it is shaking the ground and causing earthquakes it's like a, a group actively doing that on purpose but their reasoning is ultimately to like keep everybody safe and from completely dying. Interesting. Okay. Oh, maybe it's maybe it's a kind of thing where it's like, hey, we need to break the foundations to build it back stronger because over time the the containment weakens. And so in order yeah. for them to restore it, they need to rebuild it from scratch effectively, right? Interesting. Yeah, or like yeah. reinforce it with all the foundations that are built on top of it. Right. There's um in, in Magic the Gathering, in Ravnica specifically, there is a, a red-green clan called the Gruul clan. And they live in a giant city, but they're all about like nature reclaiming stuff. And so their their job or their part in the ecosystem that is Ravnica is, hey, we're here to like break shit and like tear down buildings and tear down like worked stone and let nature reclaim it. And so their territory is like constantly shifting in a way as it kind of like snakes through various parts of the city. And then other uh, guilds will come in and reclaim the parts that, you know, kind of get taken over as well. And I feel like that's an apt comparison to what we're trying to do here, where as an act of restoration, you know, a a natural restoration, like that's what your cultish or group is trying to do here, Courtney, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that could work. How does this drive with uh, the monster or whatever's under there? Uh, so Courtney was suggesting that they are destroying parts of the city in order to keep this thing contained. Is that correct, Courtney? Okay. Yeah, it's basically something yeah. about like the leveling process reinforces right. the, the containment. Yeah. So deliberately are damaging the city then every time. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But I mean, obviously to everybody else who doesn't know the secret, it seems kind of shitty mm-hmm. right like inverse so yeah. it's not so much that it's quaking it's that um they're keeping it contained by le- yeah. like putting more stuff on top of it basically yeah what what i find to be rather interesting about that idea as well courtney is the fact that that is like a conspiracy on a fairly vast level yeah like imagine like the level of like listen this is for the city's own good and this is like the level of mass destruction that we have to plan out in order for this mm-hmm. to happen and like do it by like block by block in some cases. Right. Yeah. And like, I imagine since, since they are planning it, like they can also, there's probably some form of government that's like getting things in order and telling people to prepare and, you know, get mm-hmm. your stuff together, go to these like safe areas, etc. Um, But they just are keeping it secret that that's the reason why it's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and they can blame it on multiple things like, oh, it was 
a molasses flood or, oh, <laughs> it was an earthquake or, oh, it was a massive fire that happened or, you know, there, there's all sorts of things that they can blame it on, mm-hmm. you know, but it's all state sanctioned effectively as well. That I mean, that's that's kind of a cool concept to run with, too, I think. Yeah, I think it all works well with what we talked about last time, how mm-hmm. it sounded like certain slime molds were like dying off. And we had mm. talked a bunch about like potentially um, one of the slime molds being very important for like reconstruction and architecture and structure and all that. Mm-hmm. And so if that's not there anymore. When this happens next, the city's going to be very fucked. Yeah, that's that's an interesting little twist that we kind of have to work because now they're starting to panic. It's like. Well, now we can't level the city as often as we used to. And so maybe to the rest of the citizenry, it's like, oh, the city is safer than it's ever been. But in reality, it's kind of like barely holding on. There's like a crumbling nature to society that's happening because of this. Yeah, I feel like it'll be up to this secret group to like make a choice. Like, do we go through with the leveling, even though we're not going to be able to rebuild as effectively? Or do we take a risk and keep waiting to see how long we can push it. Yeah. And then I think in the last episode, we also established that your mad God was kind of behind or discovered the mold. That was the cause of this kind of mold blight. Is that right, Courtney? Yeah. I think like somewhere down in the deeper levels where he's like writing his poetry, there's a door that I I've been envisioning it as like an accidental opening or accidental discovery. Um, Mm that he sort of unlocked and that led to this blight or maybe it even like worked its way through his like long ongoing epic poem that stretches across the city. Right. Right. So that's how it like spread around. Ah, okay. This mold eats the other molds, right? Yeah. Isn't it carnivorous Mm -hmm. in some way? Um, Right. Right. And, and so, you know, we never really defined a monster quote unquote. Um, so like, is there, is it the same one of the same or like, are they pouring parts of the city on top of it so that it'll eat that instead of, you know, the current level um, or is it that there's a separate monster and this mold is somehow connected to it? So what I'm hearing you say, Daniels, are you suggesting that we've got like a massive mold monster that is partly responsible for this carnivorous mold? Oh yeah, maybe or maybe it is that like it just is like yeah, it's spread out, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so every time oh. they level it, they feed it more material, so they can oh, interesting. do that, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's not like evil; it's just a creature, right? You know? And I, yeah. I want to make sure that we also remember that the molds themselves are um, like currency as well, right? So maybe they're like lesser molds from it that are not as viral or something, that right? They use. Right, mm-hmm. right. They're, they're, it's not just currency, but it's also magic, I believe. Right? Is that true? Oh, yeah, we talked about, like, there would just be a lot of uses for it. There was right. the structure stuff, the source of magic, potentially. Um, Currency. And then there was, like, uh, God's Ink or uh, Living Ink, Living right? Ink yeah. was the most valuable one. Right, yeah. right. Okay. I'm glad that I'm remembering all of this live on air. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> one other thing, actually. So, like, last time we talked about, uh, we were, like, half joking about my lack of blood in the setting. And then I was thinking, like, oh, maybe the Mad God's ink mold is his own blood. So, uh-huh. like, if if that's been part of the source of the contamination that's now around the city, like, he himself is probably contaminated now, too. If it's, like, mm. gotten into his own blood, if he's been using that to, to write on the walls, you know? Mm. 
I I reject your notion that we were half joking, Courtney. I was <laughs> deadly serious. Like that mm-hmm. when I see an opportunity for blood, I'm just assuming that you're gonna take it. So you know, <laughs> do with that what you will. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying like he's infected by the mold, basically. Yeah, that's what I'm mm-hmm. thinking now. Um, but like I don't know what that means for him as a figure like i like i said last time i didn't really have anything super specific in mind as far as like what he is other than this person who's just been wandering around for years and years and years so i don't know if like it being inside of him now makes him a more active villain or if he is just kind of still roaming and writing but the writing has changed somehow well we can speak to um what the effects of the mold are. We know that it mm-hmm. consumes raw materials, right? Because they're leveling studies to feed it. But what does it have a different effect on living material? Mm-hmm. Mm. I was also thinking along the same lines that like, why can't we have this mad God now be like a creature who or a, a God who is struggling to fight the corruption that is the mold itself, right? Like Uh, if the living ink or if the God's blood is corrupted within its system, I can't help but think that the poetry will reflect, and maybe this is where they get the reputation, is that Mm -hmm. this thing is constantly corrupting this God and the God is perhaps constantly regenerating to a certain extent. And so their poetry comes across as mad as a result. But in reality, Mm -hmm. they struggle between being the voice of the mold and <laughs> a living God amongst palimpsest. I mean, That's interesting. Yeah. in the spirit of the twist, you know, it may be that it's not so much a corruption, but that if the, if the mold is eating bits of the city as it's poor on top of it, it's literally consuming the history of the city. And so, yeah. Oh yeah. It could yeah. be that the mold in his body, like you were saying, is a, is a voice for the creature and a voice for the history of the city, which he expresses oh, in the cool. epic yeah. poem. So he's literally like outpouring what's been consumed over time. And it seems mad because it's a collection of all these histories, you know. Shit, Daniel, that's super fucking cool. Yeah. Uh, And so he's not really a villain so much as he's just freaky, you know. (laughs) Yeah. I also like that that implies that like he's been corrupted for a very long time. Yeah. Like this has been going on for a very long brewing and underneath the city. And it's only recently that it's like Mm -hmm. come to the surface and is starting Mm -hmm. to eat away because... Yeah, last time we talked about like this ancient mold that like basically erases the stuff that's been written or like erases right. the existing molds. So yeah, I'm curious like what that means for all the writing that he's done so far. Yeah. Well, we can we can talk about that as well, mm-hmm. right? Like we don't know how long the denigration of the molds has been happening for. So maybe yeah. this has been like a long time. It's like, oh wow, this stuff used to be way more plentiful. And now mm-hmm. only recently have they been like okay, we should maybe start being concerned. And that was like 20 years ago, you know, kind of like another thing that is mm-hmm. directly on the horizon for us as well. Yeah. Uh, something that we were joking about actually pre-recording. So, yeah. 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 Funny how that works. Yeah. I mean, you can view that. So like we said that the mold erases the effacings of the other molds. It could be that like when you mix the stuff together into this primal mold, it becomes like a, a, a soup, right? And it seems to anyone else like, oh, you've destroyed our individuated um, molds because it's been merged into this one. So it could be that from the perspective of the people who it's it being invasive towards, it's destroying mm-hmm. their molds. 
what it's really doing is it's merging them all together because we know that the Whoa. poet expresses it, you know, as one thing. The merging yeah. is a new twist that I really appreciate. Actually. Like yeah. Borgish. Because like if you're yeah. if you're the Federation and the Borg are attacking you, from your perspective, they're destroying your culture and ravaging <laughs> your worlds and all that. The perspective of the right. Borg, they're merging you into their one collective mind, which is right. a rich soup of all of these these worlds. They're unifying you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. I'm I'm fucking down with that. That sounds dope. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Um so I would say that we've reconciled the twist and then some. <laughs> so so now I suppose we have to get into our factions. Uh, does anyone have a strong inclination as to where they want to start? Um, mine's pretty mundane. Okay, let's hear it. What do you got? All right. Um, so yeah, given all the, the grave robbing and the tongue removals and probably murder and just general grimy vibes of the city. I wanted to introduce a faction of independent investigators and detectives. Okay. So like not, okay. not connected to any official government faction. They're probably a small group, very scrappy, mm-hmm. taking on small jobs for people who are looking for missing family or friends or who want to figure out where their buried loved one's body went, uh, stuff like that. So sure. like, Nothing, nothing fancy, really, but I do feel like they could get involved in whatever we end up doing for the main quest on this mm. one. Can, can I just remark upon something that I don't think we've really touched on yet? Mm. Um, I feel like this city is riddled with secrets because, like, it wants yeah. to be right. And the idea that you're creating, you know, like uh, an organization of private detectives, effectively speaks to the necessity of them, you know, where maybe it's one of those things where it's the smallest things that go missing, you know, whether it be like a a wedding ring or an item or even like a person, not, not just a person, not just a thing, but also like a memory or like, maybe it's like a, a feeling or something like that. And they have to recover those things. It's like, Oh man, you know, like, I lost my grandma's recipe. It's like, oh, where was it written down? I'm like, it wasn't. It was it was in my head. And now I, you know, like now it's out there and I need to retrieve it. Like that kind of thing. I, I feel like that is something that we can look to in some way, you know? I don't know. Yeah, I like the the small items too being lost, especially with like the nature of the city and how it is leveled and erased and written mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. like stuff. Yeah. That falls through the cracks really easily. Exactly. Like it's it's a city of constant change and mm-hmm. and moving, I would imagine, is also fairly constant or yeah. relatively yeah. speaking anyway. Like there's probably big migration patterns that happen, you know, sociologically speaking, and mm-hmm. as a result of the kind of breaking and rebuilding of the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, by the way, I think that this is just generally good world building or good setting building. I would urge people to see cities in urban spaces as organisms uh, rather than like static things because cities are very, very much alive. Like you can look at their growth, decay and rebirth in so many Mm -hmm. interesting ways. If you just take a look at how history works and how it grows and changes, I'm a big fan of that, as you know, but I'm going to I'm going to stop there because I could go on forever about the history of cities and like rebuilding and stuff like that. So I would urge you to look at it like an organism rather than a static thing. That's all I'll say. No, I, I totally agree. And like, I know even just the concept of approaching a setting or in this case, a city of like 
you know, why would people be here in the first place? What brought them here? What kept them here? What brought other people here? How did those groups intermingle over time? Rather than just starting as like, oh yeah, I just I just want a city over here and we're right. going to fast forward a thousand years and it looks like this without really thinking about the history of it. Right. Uh, which I guess brings us to a question of like, why why did people build here in the first place if there's this horrible mold creature underneath it? Well, I think based on the fact that it's now a form of containment, I would imagine that that's probably where it started, right? It, it started mm-hmm. out of a need to contain. And mind you, it might not be a mold creature. It might be mm-hmm. something that is so old and ancient that it's just just so happened to have gone moldy at some point during its lifetime, right? What if what if this is like a dying earth kind of setting where we're mm-hmm. way in the future of like a a earth-like planet that collapsed like they had a lot of technology what if this is basically on top of a a cdc or like biological containment lab area or like a biological weapons development Mm. center something like that but like thousands and thousands of years removed sure sure or like maybe it's like the seed vault or something like yeah yeah if we wanted to make it less malevolent you know right Maybe the, the straightforward answer, which could be solved by any of these things, is that it served as a resource when there were no other resources. Yeah. So if, oh, if it was yeah. a CDC lab or a seed vault at some point and either it became corrupted or became a site of whatever disaster and the rest of the world is pretty much trash, um, <laughs> I can see settlers arriving here and finding useful molds to build things with and they just yeah. start creating a civilization with it, you know? Yeah. Not knowing yeah. what's there. <laughs> you, you could also, I mean, if it grows from a seed vault, then I think that there's a natural history that you can, you know, kind of derive from that where, oh, wow, there's all this bountiful, plentiful, like plant life over here. Right. And mm-hmm. then as they build upon that land and they kind of stymie the growth of it, it becomes moldy because it becomes trapped within the vault itself. Yeah. And as a result, like as a result of urbanization, it literally molds over in some way, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm sure that that's not how plants necessarily work, but come on, guys. Like, give me a break here. It's, it's fantasy. It's fine. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, I, I like that. And I do like the visual that, like, there are probably parts of the city that are like big greenhouses or something where they have kept. Oh, the yeah. original plants as as food sources so it's like i had been picturing it as like i said this kind of grimy gross city mm-hmm. like grim and dark and everything but i feel like there are probably some really lush portions mm. that are basically like farmland but vertically yeah. constructed or something i love the aesthetic that comes with that as well because much like you i also had this idea of like it is very city you know as in like very stone very mm-hmm. uh you know, urban in that way. But the idea that we now have whole districts perhaps that are, Hey, this is the, this is the agriculture district. Why is that? It's because plants are growing in and out of the buildings that are there Mm -hmm. now, you know? So yeah, I think aesthetically that really works. I think that's really cool. Um, Mm -hmm. Plus we can have, uh, I I hate to bring a boss log once again, not really, (laughs) but like, yeah, you can have like entire districts that are also greenhouses because they need Mm -hmm. to be. Yeah. Can we go back and summarize your faction, though? Because I feel like it's not far afield. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, in fairness, they were kind of like a... I I didn't flesh them out too much. Uh Um, But yeah, basically just a a small group of 
independent detectives and investigators and mm -hmm. private eye kind of things, um, not related to the government or any larger yeah. faction. And they take on small jobs of finding people, finding things, mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah, that idea lost. really spiraled there, huh? Yeah, <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> I remember that, but I'm like, well, we're far away from it. Is there anything, yeah. um, just since we have a sense more of the world now and that it's semi-dying Earth, so I'm picturing something <laughs> like um, ultraviolet grasslands or... Um, Sure. What's the artist um, that we like to play with for Massive Ruin? Um, Mobius. Like a Mobius kind of feel. Yeah. I'm seeing something wacky because that means like what what visually do you see your faction looking at? Because I'm also thinking, what's that indie RPG that's super weird? Um, Troika, I think. Yeah. There's a, couple of, there's a couple of them now. Yeah. Yeah. Troika like, the the yeah. has weird classes or jobs, right? I think. Is that the one? I haven't looked at like the classes or anything. Is is Troika the one there's that no has bizarre like... jobs? Yeah, no, there, there's another one that I'm thinking of. It might not be Troika, but it's like, oh, you're like a dog with like a voice box or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the jobs one. Let me see, RPG. This will lead into my question for you. I'm trying to see Cosmetolitan group of travelers and oh my god, their website. What the hell's happening in here? It's nice, but <laughs> I'm I'm also similarly on there too. <laughs> yeah, so. I know, I'm just trying to remember. Yeah, it's the one with the 36. It's lots of backgrounds. It's mostly just crazy yes. um, backgrounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I, I'm wondering, like, is your faction wacky since they're looking for weird stuff? Like, what's their character? You know? Yeah, like when I initially thought of them, I pictured them as like kind of the typical noir detective type. But like after talking about the city more, I'm thinking that yeah, they're probably a little odd and like probably pulling in a lot of things that they find along the way. Like I imagine too, that they get hired for certain jobs, but then like the people who hired them move or disappear. So they just end up with stuff. Oh, um, oh so they that's could be, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So they could be like very like scavengery and like almost like hoarding a lot of stuff to yeah. use in their investigations or like their delves deeper into the city. Yeah. It sounds like they're half detective, half merchant, right? Like, hey, I found this thing, but my employer moved. Do you want it? I can sell it to you, you know, like that kind of thing happens. I'm almost picturing like they they're more inclined to like hoard it just in case that person comes back kind of thing. Like, mm -hmm. like if they've been, you know, partially paid for the job already, it's like, well, we might as well hold on to it in case this person right. comes back in a week. And then they just end up with all this stuff and then they use that stuff to like figure out other things to build other mechanical things or something and that is of course entirely dependent on the morality of the individual i would imagine right like mm. it's like some of them are like ah, my client bounced on me do you want it i'll sell it to you at a good price you know like yeah. that kind of thing yeah that's fun i like that a lot that's really cool mm -hmm. well um shit okay we Honestly, I think that the reason that we've spiraled as much and we're asking so many questions is in large part due to the richness of the world that we've created. Yeah. Like yeah. I am excited to explore this world even further. Right. So, mm -hmm. so Daniel, why don't you continue this exploration for us with your faction? What have you got for us, Daniel? Um, the ones I were thinking about are probably similar to these collectors, but. I think more scientific and it goes back to what I had mentioned, I think in the first episode about um, a type of scientist who studies the rings of trees to understand mm -hmm. what happened, you know, over time. So these are, these are like this, but they study the um, devastation of the city, like along its fault lines. 
and they're trying to trace its history through the devastation. Sure. So kind of like some sort of, I don't know, if the tree ring people are called dendrologists, which is what the science is, they'd be something having to do with like urbanologists or something. So they're, they follow a sort of science they've developed that is based on the levelings that have happened. And it reveals to them the true history of the city. Mm. Mm-hmm. Interest. So our factions are effectively at odds here, Daniel. I have, I have to say. <laughs> so you're you're more interested in learning the history of the city through examining its roots and trunk, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Which actually, the more that we think about this, the fact that it's built on a seed vault makes that idea even more oh, whimsical yeah. to me. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in stark contrast to Daniel, and I think that we've created like a, a nice spectrum of, of factions here because I wanted to talk about the people who keep secrets because a city that is full of secrets, especially if they're filled with secret seekers, then there has to be a, a faction or group who are deliberately trying to obscure or obfuscate the truth in some way in, in other like bigger worlds, it might be seen as an Illuminati group, but I was mostly interested in the idea of sealing up parts of the city again, to hide the history of the city, to obscure what the city was actually built for and built upon So I think in terms of you and I, Daniel, we're on opposite ends of the spectrum here. And I really love that, actually. Yeah, I think that that makes sense because we were talking about this larger conspiracy, right? That's about containing this creature. And I assume they have a large part to do with that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Look, someone's got to seal the doors of a forbidden tomb. And Mm -hmm. my guys are there to do it, you know? Seems like they fucked up when my mad god somehow stumbled into it i mean well, yeah, yeah where is he aligned that's a good question on that i would say unaligned personally. yeah probably opposed because he's a liability to them then mm, mm. i mean i can see a party forming here i can see um you have the people who collect lost things right you have this sort of whatever we're gonna call the urbanologist or something that's searching for some answers I could see them going to the collectors to get to find certain places or things Mm -hmm. to get closer to research. And then I could see the mad God revealing something accidentally by them encountering it. And then the secrets faction being the antagonists in this case, or even being a plant in their group, you know, who's trying to misdirect them on purpose. Mm. We have like the person who's the active force in the narrative searching for something. You've got the facilitator, You've got the friction against that, you know, all of those together. Mm. Yeah, I really like that. And I actually hadn't thought about my detective collectors being like, like also looking for places, but that also makes sense in the, in the grand scheme of things. And I like that connection with your urbanologists a lot. I mean, it could be too, like say the urbanologist has an object that's a piece of an object that he knows belongs to some part of a city. And he'd say, can you find me more of this? Yeah. And that the finder probably knows where to find it. And so that helps them then glean more about the history of the city. Yeah. Did you picture your urbanologist as having like a central library collection or are they more traveling? 
probably I would say to make them different than yours, they probably do have a central like academic place, and they're okay. probably very formal and nerdy and and like methodical, oh, right? Thing. And okay. so they're they're an established thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Versus Rob, I'm guessing that your secret keepers are more nomadic. So it's interesting you should say that because very much also in the opposite of Daniel, like I imagine that the the group that I was focusing on was not like the scheming, you know, like methodical one. It's more like, hey, we're paid to like go and, you know, seal up places. It, it's it's more blue collar oh, okay. than okay. like an academic sense. Like this is more the arm that like goes and does the will of the council rather than the council itself. I got you. So, they're more like custodians of secrets than anything else, right? They're like, all right, somebody cracked open the vault. We got to go reseal it. We got to go like maybe set up some traps next time or, you know, like it's it's a very kind of like journeyman type thing or a very craftsman style of uh, of a secret keeper I'm thinking of. I got you. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like when you think Illuminati, you do think like shadowy council of like secret nerds hiding behind masks and shadows. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of like, we've got a job to do. I've got to go take a hammer and like knock over this thing to make sure that no one else can get in it. Like that to me is far more interesting and fun, but yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of, um, I forget what setting it even was. It was something with dwarves. Um, it might've been like, was it land of a thousand dwarves? I forget, but it was, uh, they were erasing stuff and like would use, alchemical solutions to like wipe away murals and stuff yeah but yeah i'm kind of seeing your guys as similar but like more blue collar more like just got a job to do yes i could also see them using like solutions and potions and Mm -hmm. caustic things to like scrub away at even like the molds that are growing there Mm -hmm. and at the same time they're still like you know, like I say that they're blue collar, but they still have secrets of their own and know the city better than most people, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, what happens if somebody takes one of their tongues? Oh, Do boy. they learn those secrets? That's a great question. A question that I have never even considered. <laughs> um, so, so question about, I, I suppose we can talk about that a little bit more, right? Like, is consent necessary for this particular thing? Like maybe you have to convince, you have to convince the folks, you have to convince the the dead that you want, because you can't just enslave them, right? There's ethical quandaries involved with that. I, I'm imagining that it might be more interesting if you have to convince the people to give up the goat, so to speak. Did we say something about needing to be able to speak the language? Yeah. Or that it yeah, gives yeah, or it was like the the ones that take the tongues get the language. Mm-hmm. And then they end up with this like kind of group of thralls behind them that are, they don't have tongues anymore. Or they can mm-hmm. like swap out the tongues to their right. god figure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the question of consent, I'm not sure. Um, because I think, you know, a more villainous being wouldn't get their consent. Yeah. <laughs> or would bypass sure. that. Yeah. I do kind of wonder if, there's like a villain that we haven't developed yet who is one of these god entities who does take tongues without people's consent and like mm. maybe he's kind of a boogeyman kind of figure oh yeah that that's fun i like that yeah mm-hmm. well and the other reason why i question is because um 
if if there is a question of consent for the dead, you now are introducing a layer of the supernatural that involves like the afterlife, right? Which mm-hmm. is totally viable. Um, but the question is like, if this is a dying earth setting, you know, to what degree are we getting into like, you know, gods and true supernatural power and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, remember that we had gods as a kind of important thing to begin with, even though they're not actually gods, they're just secret holders, right? That's what I mean. Like they're not yeah. truly supernatural beings, not really gods. Sure, sure. But I, I like to keep the idea in mind that, you know, like they're gods to them, you mm-hmm. know, like I, I have no problem yeah. with something like that, you know. I mean, maybe I could see, for example, as someone who's dead, perhaps we can tie it to the mold and that their their brains maybe are animated by um, the mold network in mm-hmm. some degree. So there's like a flicker of consciousness and maybe it's not so much forcing them to agree with you, but interfacing with them, that becomes difficult. So like, if you just kind of tongue out, you don't know what you're doing, you could just lose it and it'll dissolve. Right. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And that's interpreted by the people as some kind of mystical thing. Yeah. I could see that. Cause yeah, I think last time you had brought up that like, uh, slime molds, the structure is like akin to a neural network yeah. or something of them. Yeah. So that yeah. would make sense. Yeah. yeah. Because then I could see two interpretations. I could see, for example, the the secret sorts of people seeing this as a mystical, esoteric kind of process. Um, and then this the sciencey types, the academic ones, understand that it's a, a neural network and they view it as a more material thing. Mm-hmm. So now you now it's a question of like what's true and nobody really knows, which is I think at the heart of a lot of dying earth settings where they might encounter some sort of technology and it seems divine, but then, you know, like, especially in the one that I love, which I've mentioned a few times, um, the book of the long sun, like even when you realize as a reader that it's technology, the book still presents it to you in a sort of divine way. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you feel like there's something magical about it, even though, you know, this is a nuclear missile that they're encountering. Right. 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 So like that, will you be able to have both of those if it's played from two perspectives, you know, when you're going through the narrative. <sighs> I love this, you guys. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just like, damn, this is so much. I'm having so much fucking fun right now. <laughs> yeah, I just, I love, I love building worlds with y'all. That's what I'll say about that. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think honestly, we could go forever. It like, or at least four years, right? Like, we could, we could do this for at least another four years, is my guess. But I think now is a good time for us to stop and take a look into a main storyline quest. And for this, I actually have an interesting plot point to start with. Courtney, your faction is literally the best point for to start with an underdog. It mm-hmm. is the best point to start a secret. Like it's it's the simplest, easiest hook in the world. Hey, I've got a job to go find this thing. And then immediately things become more complicated from there. You start to uncover all these secrets and all of a sudden our, our other factions get involved. I mean, come on, it's, it's, it's right there. So I'm going to suggest that we start there unless someone else wants to stop me. No, I think that works. Although I was also, I mean, I feel like it works with my faction too, but the idea of that, like new villain that I brought up, the like tongue stealer, serial killer type, um, like maybe that's kind of the, the main focus of this quest is finding out who that is and stopping them like 
one of my detectives was contacted by somebody who's like family member had like their tongue ripped out or something like that. Oh, um, a living family member. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have not considered that until now. Jesus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. And then like that starts them down this path of trying to figure out what's going on. And then in that process, they get linked up to people from your factions as mm-hmm. this investigation goes on. Mm-hmm. 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 Right, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, we should flesh it out a little bit more, but I agree. That is cool as shit. Um, what do we want to, what do we want to add to it? What do we want to bring into this? That is that we can make even cooler. Well, so just to understand the relationship of the tongue. So the, the collection of tongues by this person, we know the tongues contain secrets of the past of the city, right? Mm-hmm. Essentially yeah. what they let us do. And they let you speak to and control mold in some capacity. Yeah. Something having to do with the mold and yeah, speaking languages and all that. Okay. So in terms of the motivations of this person, they must be wanting to control mold then, right? Oh, maybe they're seeking out like the center of the the labyrinth of the catacombs to try right. to unleash the the mold, whatever that's in there. Okay. So maybe so they have some sort of um the destructive <laughs> intent, whether it's an insane destructive intent or some some reason to unlock danger is what we're saying. Yeah, maybe they seek to control it or they think they can control it if they mm. accrue enough power and do something with it. Could they be a um, uh, dendrologist gone evil? Ooh, evil mm. tree scientist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't see that much. <laughs> no. I like sure. that, yeah. I mean, we could we could also go full MacGuffin with it as well and have it be tied to an object that they need to find. And it's like a map. Or, or maybe a compass in some way that is particularly valuable and the people who have it don't know how valuable that thing is, you know? And maybe this mm-hmm. is, there's a node within the city that is um, a neural kind of center, right? Of the mold mm-hmm. network. And they're seeking that, which sort of functions as a compass to the rest of mm-hmm. the underground. Mm-hmm. Um, I could also see in this case, because we've made the dendrologist the villain in this case, um, you can have one on your party who's good, but you can also have a secrets person who yep. has aligned with them for the sake of keeping this from happening. Sure. Because mm-hmm. they both recognize, look, this shit's bad. We got to make sure that this <laughs> yeah. doesn't happen. Uh-huh. You know, but but at the same time, you can also make it so there's a constant back and forth where it's like, don't steal shit. Don't mm-hmm. take shit. You're giving me more work to do. Cut it out. Exactly. You know, like- and so it's like the 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 scientist of the party is like excited to learn all these things, but then the secrets person has to is also kind of esoteric about stuff. So it's like yeah. when they talk to each other, I imagine they have like either both a lot of friction, but also like revelations between the two of them. Sure. Mm-hmm. They can both teach each other things about it, you know, that they didn't realize. Yeah. I would also imagine that like the reveal of them being a custodian is also not immediate as well. Exactly. Yeah. It's definitely like partway through and you could even play them off as like a himbo or kind of like a bumbling brute for a little bit where it's like, whoops, didn't mean to knock that over. Whoops. Didn't mean to destroy (laughs) that. You know, like that's an easy one to do too. Maybe you could even have it be that the secrets person knowing that this dendrologist has gone crazy is the one to go seek out the collector people to get help. Sure. Right. And the collector people are like, well, we need to hire this dendrologist because they know how to navigate this labyrinth or something. 
And so mm-hmm. they bring that one on board. And now the secrets person is under a lot of pressure to keep it secret because his buddies all got murdered by this person and he's mm-hmm. on his own now or something, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's fine. I like that a lot. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. I am picturing the uh, custodian guy as like a old, like I'm too old for the shit. Mike Ehrmantraut kind of character. <laughs> mm. I, see, it, he, to me, he's definitely less Mike Ehrmantraut because that character is just a bit too serious for me. Like I, I find him to be a little bit more like jovial in my brain, but you know what? We can have our own head cannons, Courtney. That's totally fine. You know? <laughs> yeah. But that's fun. Okay. What is, what do we want to do? What's, what makes this like unique and interesting and different for this particular quest? Um... I feel like we're missing a key component here. You know what? Screw it. Yeah. Let's do, let's do a twist. I think that'd be fun. Our twist for this main storyline is. <laughs> okay. Uh, I want to hear y'all explain how we can throw in a dance party. Parentheses, Daniel Quinn is to blame. So how I, are we throwing a dance party into this one? <laughs> I might have an idea. So, you know, I forget when it happened. Was it like medieval times? Or dark ages or something and there's a like dancing oh, plague. dance to really dead yeah yeah yeah. the yeah. dancing plague thing i'm wondering if like that is happening in part of the city due to some molds mm. or something or maybe it's related to this uh tongue thief sure. person or something you could oh. either have a dance macabre or you can have like this kind of like dancing plague either one works but th- yeah damn that's really cool courtney like great way <laughs> to subvert that and creepy too you know yeah yeah. yeah. I mean, both are acceptable. Um, what do you think is more appropriate to the quest that we have currently? What do you mean by dance macabre? Oh, um, like when people during the Black Plague, people would just dance following like plague doctors or the plague itself because they just were dead. So who fucking cares? Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll stick with the dancing plague. I think it makes more sense with the mold, I think, you know. I could also see like, I don't know if it would be the tongue thief or somebody like attracting a, a thrall of like we talked about last time, the the God thrall things usually like mm. could sing or like have some sort of choir aspect to them. Um, oh. but maybe this one is like dancing instead. So the dendrologist is creating a massive dance party of the undead to like finally <laughs> like pull off some massive ritual is what we're, <laughs> is what you're saying here. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Daniel help. I mean, Daniel, I like you're it. directly responsible for this twist. So tell <laughs> us what's up. When you said um, dance party, my first thought, of course, was um, sort of what's that? It's, they have a popular series now. It was a video game and involved mushroom people. Um, oh, Last of Us. Yeah. So it makes you think of like an infection causing the dance, obviously, yeah, yeah. like brain rotting, whatever. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think that's what it could be, but maybe it's like um, there's a couple ways. I mean, one, it could be like some creepy thing you encounter when you're down there searching for the thing because it's people who have been collected by this killer or whatever um, that are now as thralls. I could also mm-hmm. see like uh, this being a black market sort of side effect where in the investigation, people have extracted some of the, the mold that that has been used by the killer. Maybe he's using this to get his victims and it creates the sort of rave situation underground where people are mm-hmm. ingesting it deliberately and then mm-hmm. they end up dancing till they die sort of situation. And that's how he gets people. 
So it could, if you want to take it in a weird noir kind of, um, you know, uh, like techno France sort of situation, <laughs> you could go that direction too. You know, I'm thinking like it was, it, we watched the movie. You know what I mean? What was it? The the um, as above, the, so below. Yeah, they had the whole French. We we're in this oh, French yeah, yeah. club. Yeah. I think yeah. I'm thinking yeah. like that. Yeah, you know. Daniel, when you say techno France, you just mean France. So yeah, <laughs> I was I was also thinking when you're talking of like maybe it's something with um since this tongue thief person is like stealing the tongues of potentially still living people, mm-hmm. what if like in doing so he's leaving behind a slime mold that gets into their system that makes them do this dance until they die potentially. Yeah. Oh, it's a new strain of the kind of predators, uh-huh. the predator. Movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. I feel yeah, like yeah, yeah, connected yeah. to the villain. You know, like that's not how you lead your way to finding him, as you find the wreckage at all these dance parties, basically. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. All right. All right. We're gonna leave <laughs> it on dance party because that's fun as shit. I'm definitely down with that for sure. Okay. That's that's really fun. Loving it. Absolutely enjoying myself over here. A huge. Huge thank you to you and our newest patron for that. Uh, absolutely in love with the concept. Thank you so much for the prompt. And remember that if you want us to build your world, you can send us a prompt by going to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, where you can click the link, follow some instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you want to follow us on social media, we're on YouTube, where you can subscribe, like, comment, all that stuff if you'd like. Uh, we're also on Twitter at Let's World Build. If you want to come and talk with us more directly, go ahead and do so by joining our Discord, where you can talk to us about world building, about palimpsest, about really whatever you want. And of course, if you're feeling particularly generous, you can always go to our Patreon and give us money. And in return, you'll get access to sweet, sweet patron-only goodies like the Aphid Lounge, Too Hot for Broadcast, and our patron-only Discord area. And with that, that's going to do it for this episode of World Build With Us. Remember that we love you very much, and we're going to get through this together. Until next week. Bye.